Everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of On That Note with Parker Whirling. Today's guest is a pop singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer. He's got a new song out right now called John Bellion off of his EP, A Year Underwater, which will be coming out in 2021. Please welcome Lev. This should be going. I hope my levels aren't horrifying because that would really ruin the whole audio engineer thing that I was going <laughs> I'm sure it's all good. And uh, I apologize to you and everyone listening. If you hear hammers and buzz saws, they're doing renovations in the apartment right next to me. And it's just, oh, just no. nothing I can do about it. It really got in the last guy's uh, interview, Ursay, and a little bit in Scofie's interview. But, you know, we're just going to roll with it and it's going to turn out the way it's going to turn out. No, I get it, man. I had, um, I live in LA and I had my, uh, my neighbors told us a week before. Actually, not even a week before. They told us like maybe four or five days before that they were, before they started, that they were going to destroy, just completely knock down their whole house oh. um, and build an, build an entire new one from scratch. And uh, they're like six feet from my bedroom window. Like it's the kind of like valley, like LA houses that are like stacked on one another. Right. So it was like... Every morning, it was for all of quarantine, it was every morning, still in quarantine, but now I'm on the East Coast. Every single morning at 7 a.m., just damn destruction. Yeah, they start early. These guys start at like eight sometimes. I'm like, And it's literally my bedroom is next to the apartment that's being yeah. <laughs> renovated. I'm not interested. Exactly. I'm ready to move to like a cabin in the woods, man. Just go somewhere where I can't hear anything for miles. I'm with you on that. Awesome. Lev. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming on and talking about your music. Uh, first of all, congratulations on releasing your new single, John Bellion. It came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's a total bop, man. How does it feel to have it out? You know, it's it's always a bit of a surreal feeling to have music out in the world that you've been working on for however long. This one was particularly fun because it was the most. It was probably the most collaborative one I have on the project. Um, so it was just fun being able to like, just get it out and like have, just celebrate with friends and everything. What made this one more collaborative? Basically the whole idea of the song was, um, that we can't, like none of us can do anything alone as much as I tried to do everything alone for a long time. Um, and so I wanted to incorporate that musically too. So I had... Uh, my friend Chris is playing the bass on the record. I wrote it with my friends Jake and Bendik. Bendik also produces with me all my music. Um, my friend Nina is just like wailing on the last chorus, just singing her ass off. I don't know if I can... Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah, dude. Swear as much as you fucking want. <laughs> my friend Salem um, also sang on the record, did background vocals with us. Um my friend Spoov is a huge fan of John Bellion, as, as am I. Um, and so we didn't tell him that we wrote a song called John Bellion. Um, we asked him to come to the studio. Uh, we, we, it was basically a total surprise. I actually wasn't there for this, unfortunately, but, my, but Jake and Bendik were. Um, 
they gave him headphones, put him in the recording booth, um, and played the song through his headphones and recorded his live reactions to the record. Uh, and so, and we kept all of his live reactions in the record and like manipulated a few of them. But like when you hear the "Oh my God" at the end, that's my friend Spoof just like being excited about the song. That's so cool. That was the whole idea of the record was to like to like tackle this whole imposter imposter syndrome that I have felt. A lot of my friends have felt. I think anyone in an, in any creative endeavor has felt. Um, and I I think that's my favorite way to do it is to just do it with friends. That's so cool. And I do love the message behind it, especially in music. It's so easy to compare yourself to others and be like, oh man, I wish I had that many monthly listeners or I wish I could make something that cool. And like all that really does is distract you from doing the work that you're meant to be doing and creating the things you're meant to be creating. And totally. I, I thought it was so cool that that song kind of strips away any idea of people like have like knowing exactly what's going on you know there are some freaks who have been in it for a long time and they really can be wizards but it, they didn't start that way you know everybody for is sure man faking it till they make it in a way exactly and i feel like that's that's such a really the, the song was a reminder for me more than anything because i get so wrapped up in that world john bellion probably being the most pristine example of it in my life just because I've idolized him, you know, musically and otherwise um, for a long time. So I wanted to come into the studio and write a song that was going to make, that was going to allow me to tackle the feeling, but also be able to look back on it and say like, this is, you know, I, I want to be able to perform the record and in performing the record, feel more confident about myself and feel less like an imposter. So I wanted to have something that was tackling this idea of like a lack of confidence but also felt confident in its performance right i feel like we kind of got there um but that was that was the goal that was that was definitely one of the goals yeah you definitely got there it is such a it like you own your insecurities in that song and that's what makes it feel so confident thank you man thank you yeah so uh what was it like navigating collaborating with so many people was this the first time you had to do that kind of like I I tend to collaborate less on my own artist project which probably also comes from insecurity but I um I write with others all the time I'm also just a a pop songwriter for other artists um and so part of that and actually just basically all of that is collaboration. So I do have like a fair amount of experience doing it. So it wasn't totally uh, out of the ordinary for me, but um, it definitely is the most collaborative one on my EP. Um, and I think it gives it a different, it gives, I think it gives it a different energy that I think the, the record needed or the, the project needed. Was it challenging at all to kind of play like, a director role in telling people what you wanted, you know, and if maybe somebody's got a different opinion, you have to be like, okay, I appreciate it, but you know, this is how I'm seeing the song. Yeah, for sure. I mean, normally I, in, in a lot of circumstances, I think that can be difficult in this particular one. I, I think I was in a, I was in like a, an especially open mood because I didn't, I didn't have the idea to call the song John Bellion. Um, I had the idea to have this like whole imposter syndrome thing, like the confidence thing. I had all like 
and we had and we had the record. I tr- like I, with Bendik, I chose the drums, and we I laid down this guitar thing that we kept on the record as like the foundation of the whole thing. But I was ready to like stop it there, and at one point, Bendik goes like, because we, we were writing like no one here really knows what they're doing, knows that the stock is pretend like they're moving, blah blah blah. Bendik goes, I think it was Bendik. He was he was like, um, what if we say like, like I can't even think of one, not even John Bellion. And I was like, that's dumb. Like, we're not going to do that. Like, it's a stupid idea for a song. And then, so I was like, I basically vetoed it. Um, and then Jake and Bendick were like, we'll just try it for now. Like, we'll just leave it in for a second. And they, I think they knew that if they left it in, we would all fall in love with it. And I would come, I would, uh, I would uh, come around on the idea. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So. Um, I, I, it wasn't particularly challenge, challenging with this one. I think collaboration can be really challenging. Um, this one, I think I was open. They were open. We just really wanted to have fun with the song. Like I just wanted to, I wanted to go in and have fun with the song and like tackle an idea that I wanted to tackle. And it's not always as easy as it was with this one. I, so that, that was part of the fun of it. And I think you can hear how fun it was for us to make in the song. Yeah, it's a very fun song. That's funny that the title of the track was such a controversy when you were writing it. And, uh, but that's cool. That's interesting that they left it in there, you know, cause you never know after you hear something a certain amount of times, you might love it more or you might get tired of it. So that's cool that you left it in and like left it to chance. And now we have John Bellion. Now we have John Bellion. Oh fuck. Sorry. That was my phone. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's, is this under your new EP, A Year Underwater? Yeah, that'll be... All, all the singles I've put out so far have been uh, for the project. I'm going to put out one, right. one more single and then the whole project in 2021. Nice. So what can people expect from the whole project that's been different from your previous releases? I mean, I know it's the same releases, but what's going to be something... Like, is there a different approach you've had to this compared to any music you've released, like, at all? Part of, I think, I think one of the main things I really wanted to do with the project was I wanted to come out, this is really my first, like, set of releases ever. Like, I did a, a project, like, on my own back in, when I was, like, 18 or 19. Um, but this is my, this is really, like, my debut, and I wanted to... I wanted to have this be the time where I took like complete creative control over my music for the first time. Cause a lot of the times um, it's just hard to say no to people <laughs> and it's hard to get yourself to a point where you can say exactly what you want to say on a project without having to compromise like an idea or musicality or something along those lines. So this is the first time I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to say exactly what I want to say. It's going to come from me. It's going to feel like me. Um, And that sort of expressed itself in a lot of different styles. Like, so one of, one of the concerns I had was that that was going to be a not like, it's it's not going to be a very cohesive record because I have like seven songs and seven different genres. They all fall under pop, I think. Um, But if you listen to, the project like top to bottom I don't think there's a single song that sound that's that you could call as like in the exact same genre as the previous 
So that was something that I ended up being really proud of because it just felt, this feels like me expressing myself like really freely and really uh, honestly for the first time. And my hope is that it sounds cohesive because it's honest and because it's all me and because it all sounds like me. Um, and maybe the the variety in genre will be a good thing. But yeah, no, the, for, the fourth single uh, is a song called Fighter. And it's like sort of this like gorillas, like hip hop meets like Justin Timberlake, like chorus vocals meets like, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's meets like Dominic Fike. Like it's a whole, it's, it's really an exploration for me, which I think is really fun. And if I can continue to do that kind of exploration within like a larger idea, like a year underwater, then I think I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, that's funny that cohesion sometimes happens without you trying. And I think that's probably the best way it does come is when you're just writing what feels good and what feels right. And suddenly it dawns on you like, oh, these handful of songs actually piece well together. And if, if, if you think about it, maybe it would be like, maybe it wouldn't work if you were thinking about it too much. Like I'm going to write this to the, I mean, I don't know. Some people, you know, you think about people who write musicals and they have to like write a song like for each moment. And I'm like, I don't know how you could even conjure that sort of energy. I'm just lucky if I can, you know, write one little tune a day, you know? Yeah, for sure. I don't know how Lin-Manuel does it. Yeah, right. Shout out to Lin-Manuel. So you did a live performance for uh, all of your songs that you've put out so far. What was that process like? What's your rehearsal schedule like, you know, ahead of time? That was fun. I mean, we we wanted to put something together that was going to feel live in a time when there's obviously no live music and we couldn't possibly do it if we wanted to. We ended up rehearsing a few times. I had played with Jacob and with Ryland and with Chris for other projects and for other, actually for other people's bands a bunch of times. So it wasn't like a new thing for us. Um, but it was the first time that we played my songs for me. Uh, so that was, that was, that was exciting. It was kind of fun. Uh, it was actually really fun. I don't know why I said it's kind of fun. It was so fun. Um, I'm sure it's a little stressful though, too, you know, like having to having to construct a live performance that is your music. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a lot to put together because um, we also had to have my good friend Whitney, who's just like so talented. She's a, a photographer and videographer. And we had to coordinate that with the audio, too, and like get, you know, get a great video take and also get a great audio take and all these things. So, yeah, it's it, it was tough, but it was it was really fun. I'd like to do... Uh, more things like that if I can. Did you learn anything from this round that you would take into the next round of filming? Yeah, I mean, we'd probably rehearse more. That might be good. <laughs> baseline, probably just rehearse more in general. Yeah, just base. That's just kind of just like good advice across the board. I uh, I really want to play with different live arrangements next time. We kind of um, like stuck pretty close to. The, to the bill on this one, um, which I think was fun just to like be able to have live versions of them and out in the world. Uh, but I have some like live arrangement ideas that I'd want to try out on, on a future project. So what are you thinking? What kind of live arrangement? 
I love the way, I mean, not to like re- reference John Belly in this whole podcast, but um, <laughs> I love, I love the way like someone like John uh, will take uh, a song that you know so well and just flip it live to a point where like genre wise, you don't know where you are, like instrumentation wise, is it like a wholly, totally different uh, arrangement and orchestration of a lot of the parts. So I have this one for Always the Rain that I, that I really want to try out um, that kind of explores that kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I just think that's so fun because it gives it just gives new life to the songs. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool to change things up, especially when you're playing live and give people a different experience. Right. Cool. Well, that's going to take us over to the last five. I'm just going to ask you five quick questions and then we'll be done. Hell yeah. Sweet. What is on your musical rotation right now? Oof. Uh, what is on my musical rotation? Can I check? <laughs> yeah, throw up the Spotify. Pretty much everybody's like, oh shit, I have to check Spotify. <laughs> it's one of those things like nobody thinks about until somebody asks you and you're like, fuck, what am I listening to? For sure. I, uh, yeah, no, I never know. Everyone's like, I, I feel like people ask you all, me this all the time and I'm like, I'm listening to a lot of things always, so I never really... No, I'm listening to Hoops by Wolf, this this girl, Julia Wolf, I think. Nice. Artist in New York. Just love that song. Uh, Davin Kingston is amazing. I sort of always have Channel Orange in rotation. Nice. My friend Amelia Ali put out a song called Quiet, which I just think is so beautiful. Uh, Super Cuts by Jeremy Zucker. Rule. Do you know Rule? I think that's how you pronounce it. Is that a band? I no, it's this guy, I think from the UK, who is sort of getting bigger now and he's amazing. I've also been listening to Joji. He's amazing. Yeah. He just put out a new record, right? Yeah, he did, yeah. It's so good. Nice. I haven't listened to it yet, but everybody tells me to listen to Joji. Yeah, no, for sure. I th- I think you definitely have to. So number two, who's your dream artist or producer to work with? <laughs> I mean, John Bellion. Shout out to John Bellion, man. He's he's taking up all the answers here. He's getting everything today. That's fine. Yeah, John Bellion. I've Stevie Wonder is a dream of mine since I was a kid. I grew up being a pretty big Stevie Wonder fan. James Taylor. I was also a huge James Taylor fan growing up. Still am. Yeah, my parents blast him when we're making dinner all the time. Yeah, only only parents blast James Taylor. Like you have to be over forty five to blast James Taylor. <laughs> yeah. It's like perfect for a dinner party, you know, when everybody's like getting wine drunk. Yeah. I love the man dearly. Number three, what's your favorite decade of music? That's a great question. Probably the seventies. Um, good choice. But I would, I'm sort of a toss up between the seventies and, uh, and right now. 2020s or 2010s? 2020s has been not even a full year. 10s has got some. 2010s is okay. 2000s has got some classics. I'm feeling very hopeful about music creation in 20 mm-hmm. in, the, in the 2020s. Um, I love. I think there's a lot of underrated music that people don't know about, and I think it's going to come to light in the next five to ten years. I think. I just think some of these artists are so good. Yeah, I I totally agree. That is actually my fourth question: is who do you think is the most underrated artist right now? I, I'm in love with Dominic Fike. I think he's, I think he's incredible. Um, I don't know if he's really underrated though. He's he's blowing up a little bit. 
He's blown up a little bit. I, so it would have been cooler for me to say that like s- seven months ago when I first, you know, started getting into him. Um, I think Kevin Garrett is very underrated. Kevin Garrett, I think, is just incredible. Dijon, I think, is underrated. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to him a little bit. He's sick. Dijon is crazy. He's like his his production and arrangements are nuts. Yeah, very interesting. He's like all of his songs don't even sound like songs. They sound like these moods. Yeah. And I think honestly, one of the most underrated artists of all time is D'Angelo. I don't think nearly enough people listen to D'Angelo. He's sick. He's like kind of a myth though. He's like a mythical figure. People only see him every 15 years. I know. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. I don't know how he does it. It actually, it's actually a little bit sad. Um, his story and his whole mythos thing. Cause he, he's, uh, I think he's had a tough career, tough 15 years. Um, especially with like rehab and things like that. But that said him reappearing in 2014, 2015 mm-hmm. was just the best. Black Messiah. Was that the name of the project? Yeah. I remember when that came out. I, I don't, I listened to the whole thing a couple of times with some friends, but I can't remember the one song that always, it always got me. It started off with the piano line, like, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a great song. All right, well, here's the last question. Channel Orange or Blonde? Oh, God, you know me already. How do you know me so well already? Um, I do the research, man. I do the research. (laughs) I go with Blonde. Same, yeah. Just because Blonde kind of changed my life. But I feel like I go back to Channel Orange more. Because Channel Orange I can listen to almost any time. But Blonde is like, Blonde will save my life. So I'd I'd pick Blonde, but that's that's tough. That is tough. It is tough because they are really different when you boil them down. To me, Channel Orange... Like you said, you can listen to it all the time because each song is kind of its own single, its own bop, where is Blonde. I don't really want to just start in the middle of it. I want to start with Nikes, and I don't want to stop until I'm done with uh, Future of Free. Exactly. I commit. When I listen to Blonde, I, <laughs> I'm going all the way through. Right. You know what's, inc- what's inc- especially incredible about those records is that I didn't realize it until I started like, getting really deep into the process of producing my own music. But we, like, Bendik and I tend to just keep adding layers. Like, we just, well, there's so many, um, I don't think we've sent Zach, our mixing engineer, less than 150 to 200 tracks on any song. Damn, that's a lot of tracks. It's a lot. That that creates sort of the sound that I've gotten on this project. But when I listen to something like Channel Orange, it's a huge goal of mine in the future, production-wise, to be able to capture what he captured with like the the 10 tracks tops that he captures them with because that like minimalist production thing I think is just so incredible if I can like inch closer to that I'll be really happy yeah there's something to be said for being able to deconstruct something to its bare minimum and still have it be incredible like Nike's is what like a baseline a synth a drum machine in his voice for like four and a half minutes and it's yeah that's like almost all his songs like if you listen to thinking out loud that's not that's Ed Sheeran (laughs) 
thinking about you. Thinking, thinking about you. If you listen to that record, it's like kick, snare, this like synth thing, his voice. And that's like almost it. Like, like the violins, that's about, well, that's only in the beginning, I guess. And yeah. And then that's the whole record. Like it doesn't really expand much from there. And somehow it has like the dynamic shift and like this growth and like, that's just incredible. We talk about Frank all the time on this podcast. Yeah, no, don't get me started. See, I've already gone way over our time. I know. I shouldn't have made it the last question. <laughs> but uh, on that note, we'll, we'll end our time here. Uh, Lev, thank you for joining me and talking about A Year Underwater, your new EP coming out 2021. Congratulations again on the new single, John Bellion, which is out now. And uh, when will Fighter be out? It's looking like it'll probably be January. So it's going to be like a new year, new me situation. Nice, nice. New yeah, man, year, thank you love. for having me. This, is, this has been really fun. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you later, bro. Have a good one. You too. See ya. Bye. We were always a train Headed straight for a brick wall We were always the rain At the start of a long walk We were never the same 